This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by David Barnes, London, November 2006. How to Speak and Write Correctly by Joseph Devlin Chapter 1. Requirements of Speech Vocabulary, Parts of Speech, Requisites It is very easy to learn how to speak and write correctly. As for all purposes of ordinary conversation and communication, only about two thousand different words are required. The mastery of just twenty hundred words, the knowing where to place them, will make us not masters of the English language, but masters of correct speaking and writing. Small number, you will say, compared with what is in the dictionary. But nobody ever uses all the words in the dictionary, or could use them, did he live to be the age of Methuselah, and there is no necessity for using them. There are upwards of 200,000 words in the recent editions of the large dictionaries, but the 100th part of this number will suffice for all your wants. Of course you may think not, and you may not be content to call things by their common names. You may be ambitious to show superiority over others, and display your learning, or rather your pedantry and lack of learning. For instance, you may not want to call a spade a spade. You may prefer to call it a spatulous device for abrading the surface of the soil. Better, however, to stick to the old, familiar, simple name that your grandfather called it. It has stood the test of time, and old friends are always good friends. To use a big word, or a foreign word, when a small one and a familiar one will answer the same purpose, is a sign of ignorance. Great scholars and writers, and polite speakers, use simple words. To go back to the number necessary for all purposes of conversation, correspondence and writing, two thousand, we find that a great many people who pass in society as being polished, refined and educated, use less for they know less. The greatest scholar alive hasn't more than four thousand different words at his command, and he never has occasion to use half the number. In the works of Shakespeare, the most wonderful genius the world has ever known, there is the enormous number of fifteen thousand different words, but almost ten thousand of them are obsolete or meaningless today. Every person of intelligence should be able to use his mother tongue correctly. It only requires a little pains, a little care, a little study to enable one to do so, and the recompense is great. Consider the contrast between the well-bred, polite man, who knows how to choose and use his words correctly, and the underbred, vulgar bore whose language grates upon the ear, and jars the sensitiveness of the finer feelings. The blunders of the latter, his infringement of all the canons of grammar, his absurdities and monstrosities of language, make his very presence a pain, and one is glad to escape from his company. 
The proper grammatical formation of the English language, so that one may acquit oneself as a correct conversationalist in the best society, or be able to write and express his thoughts and ideas upon paper in the right manner, may be acquired in a few lessons. It is the purpose of this book, as briefly and concisely as possible, to direct the reader along a straight course, pointing out the mistakes he must avoid, and giving him such assistance as will enable him to reach the goal of a correct knowledge of the English language. It is not a grammar in any sense, but a guide, a silent signal post pointing the way in the right direction. The English Language in a Nutshell All the words in the English language are divided into nine great classes. These classes are called the parts of speech. They are article, noun, adjective, pronoun, verb, adverb, preposition, conjunction, and interjection. Of these, the noun is the most important, as all the others are more or less dependent upon it. A noun signifies the name of any person, place, or thing, in fact anything of which we can have either thought or idea. There are two kinds of nouns, proper and common. Common nouns are names which belong in common to a race or class, such as man or city. Proper nouns distinguish individual members of a race or class, such as John, Philadelphia. In the former case, man is a name which belongs in common to the whole race of mankind, and city is also a name which is common to all large centres of population. But John signifies a particular individual of the race, while Philadelphia denotes a particular one from among the cities of the world. Nouns are varied by person, number, gender, and case. Person is that relation existing between the speaker, those addressed, and the subject under consideration, whether by discourse or correspondence. The persons are first, second, and third, and they represent respectively the speaker, the person addressed, and the person or thing mentioned or under consideration. Number is the distinction of one from more than one. There are two numbers, singular and plural. The singular denotes one, the plural two or more. The plural is generally formed from the singular by the addition of s or es. Gender has the same relation to nouns that sex has to individuals, but while there are only two sexes, there are four genders, viz. masculine, feminine, neuter, and common. The masculine gender denotes all those of the male kind, the feminine gender all those of the female kind. The neuter gender denotes inanimate things, or whatever is without life, and common gender is applied to animate things, the sex of which for the time being is indeterminable, such as fish, mouse, bird, etc. 
Sometimes things which are without life as we conceive it, and which, properly speaking, belong to the neuter gender, are, by a figure of speech called personification, changed into either the masculine or feminine gender, as, for instance, we say of the sun, he is rising, of the moon, she is setting. Case is the relation one noun bears to another, or to a verb, or to a preposition. There are three cases, the nominative, the possessive, and the objective. The nominative is the subject of which we are speaking, or the agent which directs the action of the verb. The possessive case denotes possession, while the objective indicates the person or thing which is affected by the action of the verb. An article is a word placed before a noun to show whether the latter is used in a particular or general sense. There are but two articles, a or an, and the. An adjective is a word which qualifies a noun, that is, which shows some distinguishing mark or characteristic belonging to the noun. Definitions a pronoun is a word used for or instead of a noun to keep us from repeating the same noun too often. Pronouns, like nouns, have case, number, gender, and person. There are three kinds of pronouns, personal, relative, and adjective. A verb is a word which signifies action or the doing of something. A verb is inflected by tense and mood, and by number and person, though the latter two belong strictly to the subject of the verb. An adverb is a word which modifies a verb, an adjective, and sometimes another adverb. A preposition serves to connect words, and to show the relation between the objects which the words express. A conjunction is a word which joins words, phrases, clauses, and sentences together. An interjection is a word which expresses surprise or some sudden emotion of the mind. Three essentials. The three essentials of the English language are purity, perspicuity, and precision. By purity, is signified the use of good English. It precludes the use of all slang words, vulgar phrases, obsolete terms, foreign idioms, ambiguous expressions, or any ungrammatical language whatsoever. Neither does it sanction the use of any newly coined word until such word is adopted by the best writers and speakers. Perspicuity demands the clearest expression of thought conveyed in unequivocal language, so that there may be no misunderstanding whatever of the thought or idea the speaker or writer wishes to convey. All ambiguous words, words of double meaning, and words that might possibly be construed in a sense different from that intended, are strictly forbidden. Perspicuity requires a style at once clear and comprehensive, and entirely free from pomp and pedantry 
and affectation, or any straining after effect. Precision requires concise and exact expression, free from redundancy and tautology, a style terse and clear, and simple enough to enable the hearer or reader to comprehend immediately the meaning of the speaker or writer. It forbids, on the one hand, all long and involved sentences, and on the other, those that are too short and abrupt. Its object is to strike the golden mean in such a way as to rivet the attention of the hearer or reader on the words uttered or written. End of chapter 1